This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2016. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. All right, uh, come with me please tonight to Luke chapter 1. And no, this is not a Christmas message at the mouth of Easter, but it's a, a portion that's always read at Christmas time. Verse 26 of Luke's Gospel. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice! Highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Tonight I want to speak to you a little about the favor of God. Mary found favor with God. The angel said, you are highly favored. And we know that God favored her in an exceptional way for an exceptional purpose, which was to bring forth Jesus, the Son of God. Now, God would not ask us, any of us, he would not favor us in that respect to do something as incredible as that, obviously. But nonetheless, we are highly favored by God. Each and every one of us who know Christ is highly favored by the Lord. And we should recognize it and understand that in our lives continually. But what does favor mean? Well, if you looked up a dictionary or a book of synonyms, uh, you've discovered that there are several things that it can mean. But the one that I prefer above all is simply this, to regard with goodwill and kindness. To regard with goodwill and kindness. God's will for us is good, Paul said. It's acceptable and it is perfect. And when God adds his great kindness to that, then that's the favor of God for our lives. The scripture says that God favors the righteous. Psalm 5 and 12, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. And so God's favor is all around us. It's a protecting thing. It's all around us at all times, although we're not always aware of it. In practical terms, what does the favor of God look like? Would we recognize it? Is it easy to be spotted? How is it manifested? Well, let's take that right down to the the most basic level. Let's take it right down to a material sense. It may come through promotion. Maybe you will get a promotion in your work. It may come when you go for an interview and you come away from that interview 
knowing that something has happened in that interview. God somehow has favored you above all the other interviewees. You say, I wish that would happen all the time. And it doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes it does happen. So that's the favor of God at a very, very basic level. In a, in a physical sense, it may be that your life has been spared in an accident. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't like to ask you to put your hands up how many you've had accidents, but some of you have had it. I think of Lois down there. I remember getting a phone call about Lois one morning. And uh, she had been going from here to into Lurgan, and her car hit something in the road. I think it was one of those metal things, you know, for sewers. And it turned, flipped her car right over. And her car flipped over a couple of times, and she ended up in the, in the grass verge, the car upside down. And she stepped out of it. <laughs> and uh, 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 the, the Lurgan, the, no, the, the, the Lisbon Baptist pastor just happened to be passing at the time and stopped with her. And then she made contact with me, or he made contact with me, and I went along there. And there she was out on the phone talking away. And uh, they came to pick up her, her, her little polo golf. And they said to her uh, that they didn't know how she got out of that. I mean, she literally walked out of that and got onto her phone right away. And I mean, the car was a write-off. It was wrote off, wasn't it? It was just so damaged beyond repair. But the favor of God can do that. Uh, it, it may come through some unexpected blessing, or maybe he has opened a door for you that you never thought possible, but somehow God opened that door specifically for you. That, in a sense, is the favor of God. It may be in a spiritual sense. It may be God that God uses you in ways. Uh, he uses your abilities. He's given you giftings. He's given you talents. He's given you something that extends his kingdom and, and that enhances the kingdom of God. That's the favor of God. So in recognizing God's favor in our lives, then we need to understand just a few things that I want to point out tonight. First of all, God desires to favor you. His will towards you is good. God has no ill will towards any of us, none whatsoever. Sometimes we get the impression that God's sitting up there in heaven, thinking up ways where he can hurt us or beat us up. He's not. He has no ill will towards you. The plans I have for you are good. They're not evil to give you hope and a future. So we must understand that God loves to favor his children. We should never, ever doubt God's love towards us. Sometimes we do, particularly if we're going through difficult seasons. And, and that's the temptation to wonder, does God really, really care about how I'm feeling or where I'm at today? But he really, truly loves you and cares for you. In Titus 3, uh, Paul writes to Titus and says, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration, regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. But when the kindness and the love of God, there's his favor. But according to his mercy, he saved us. There is again his favor towards us. And so even before we were saved and born again of God's Spirit, He favored us. 
He wanted to save us. He wanted to change our lives. He wanted to show his mercy and his faithfulness and his goodness towards us, his favor towards us. And thank God we find that favor. Psalm 103, verse 4 and 5, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles, who crowns you with loving kindness, not just kindness, but loving kindness, not just mercies, but tender mercies. God favors us tonight. And Job 10 and 12, Job said, you have granted me life and favor and your care has preserved my spirit. Now, before we go any further, I think it would be good to point out that God does favor us. He does love us. He is kind to us. Uh, He's faithful to us. He's all of those things and more. But don't think that because he favors us that you're going to go through life without problems. That would be a big mistake, actually. If you think you're going to go through life without facing any problems because God favors you, then when a problem comes, you're going to question, well, does he favor me? Is that favor real or why would I have this problem? But you will have problems. The same angel that spoke to Mary and said, that holy one that will be born of you will be the son of God is the same angel that said to Mary, a sword will pierce your own heart also. And so Mary, who was highly favored by God, was not trouble-free in her life. She had lots of problems, to hurdles to overcome. Uh, things like, for instance, the, the gossip and the rumors that would fly about the town when she became pregnant before she had her marriage day, before her wedding day. Can you imagine the talk of the town? She was certainly the talk of the town. And, and then... Imagine also whenever she had to flee into Egypt because Herod wanted to kill her infant son and was on a murderous track to kill all of those children in in that little town. And so she had that to face. And then, of course, when, when Jesus was growing up, how that he was the elder brother and he had brothers and sisters, the Bible is very clear in that, and how that none of them believed that he was the Messiah until even his resurrection. And so she had that to deal with. I'm sure there was plenty of tensions in that home because even of that. And then, of course, on that particular day at Calvary, when she saw her beloved son being crucified before her very eyes, and that's when the sword pierced her own heart also. When that Roman soldier lunged that sword into Christ, it was lunged into her heart. Can you imagine? Well, we can't imagine how she really felt But God still favored her, even though she had difficulties to face and to come through. The prophet Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, as he's actually should be called, he was greatly concerned about his nation. He looked around what was happening, and he saw the the violence and the injustice Uh, the wickedness, the idolatry, the sinfulness of men. And he cried unto God, God, do something about this. Why aren't you doing something? God, give us revival. Deal with the leaders of the nation. But God, do something. 
And it seemed to be the heavens were as brass that God wasn't speaking. But he still cried on to God. He was desperate for God to speak. And when God finally did speak, it wasn't what he wanted to hear. Because God had been speaking to that nation again and again and again and again, and they were totally ignoring him. So God was going to have to chasten them. He's going to have to put them into captivity. And God says, I've raised up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, that is. And they were a wicked, pagan, cruel, vicious people. They had already just overrun Egypt. And I mean, they were notorious for their, for their cruelty. And they were a mighty army. And they feared neither God nor man. And now they were coming to take little Judah, the little southern nation. And when he heard that, that made him worse. And in effect, he's saying, God, how can this be? How can you be God and allow and cause these people to come against your people? How can you do that? And he was confused and he was angry at this. But God had to speak to him and share with him and tell him the reason for that is because they had kept refusing the prophet's voice to repent and to turn away from their sin and they wouldn't do it. So there was nothing left, only chastisement and captivity. And in fact, they would go into captivity for 70 years. But at the end, when you read Habakkuk at the end, even though he now knew why this was happening and he knew what the reason for it was and knew it was sure to happen, it was going to happen and it was going to be terrible and there'd be many slain and be many going to captivity. But he never lost. He never lost his love of God and he never lost his desire to serve God and he never lost his image of God as being a good God and a God that would favor his people. And in the end... God would favor his people. And God did favor them in the end and brought them back again. And right at the very end of the book, and you know the the thing so well, where he gives this hymn of faith, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, because this is what was going to happen when this attack came. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herds in the stalls, yet I will rejoice In the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet, listen to this for favor, he will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me to walk on my high hills. Now he says, go and put that to music. (laughs) He understood that no matter how bad things were, how confusing things were, how difficult times would be, that God in the end would show his favor towards his people. Even if he had to chastise them, even if he had to go into captivity, he would not forget them and he would bring them back and he would show his favor to them. Isaiah 66 and 2 says, These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. If we're humble and not proud, if we're contrite and not arrogant, if we love God's word, you can be sure God will find ways to favor you that you never even imagined. And he loves to do that. 
Second Chronicles 16 and 9, here's what it says. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. Perfect doesn't mean that you're sinless and you're spotless because none of us are and will be until we go to the glory. To be perfect towards him here means to seek his favor more than we seek the favor of anyone else. It's good to seek the favor of God. It's all right to ask God for his favor. That's okay to do that. And so God desires to favor you. Secondly, God will cause others to favor you. God will cause others to favor you. In Genesis 39, it says, about, it says this about Joseph. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight. Because the Lord favored Joseph and blessed him, somebody else favored him and wanted to bless him. When the blessing of God is in your life, somebody else will want to bless you. Somebody else will want to favor you. And when this man looked at Joseph and saw how he conducted himself and how honest he was and how hardworking he was and how efficient he was, he thought, I'm going to favor him. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to put him above all of my household. And that's exactly what Potiphar did. Do you remember Esther? Do you remember that beautiful uh, young Hebrew girl who was captive and who became a queen in captivity because of her great beauty. She became part of the king Ahasuerus' harem, and he had many in it. But let me just read this to you. You don't need to turn to this, but in, in Esther chapter 2, verse 8, it says, So it was when the king's command and decree were heard, and when many young women were gathered at Shushan, the citadel, under the custody of Hegai, that Esther was also taken to the king's palace into the care of Hegai, the custodian of the woman. Now the young woman pleased him, and she obtained his favor. So he readily gave beauty preparations to her besides her allowance. Then seven choice maidservants were provided for her from the king's palace, and he moved her into the maidservants, moved her and her maidservants to the best place in the house of the woman. Esther had not revealed her people or her family, for Mordecai had charged her not to reveal it. And every day Mordecai paced in front of the court of the woman's quarters to learn of Esther's welfare and what was happening to her. And each young woman's turn came to go into King Ahasuerus after she had completed 12 months' preparation according to the regulations of the woman. For thus were six days of their preparation. Uh, thus were the days of their preparation, appropri appropriation, uh, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with perfumes and preparations for beautifying women. Thus prepared, each young woman went to the king and she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the woman's quarters to the king's palace. Sarah, that is a scriptural basis for pampering. If anybody says, where's pampering in the Bible? You turn to Esther too and says, there you are. There it's there. That's some pampering, isn't it? Eh? In the evening she went, and in the morning she returned to the second house of the woman, to the custody of Shazgaz, the king's eunuch, who kept the concubines. 
she would not go into the king again unless the king delighted in her and called for her by name. And then it goes on down, and it says, And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. And we know the end of that story because God favored her, even the very eunuchs in captivity favored, even the very king, Asherah, favored her. And because of all of that favor, and because she was favored by God and favored by a man, God raised her up to be a great deliverer. And she delivered the Hebrew people from Haman, the anti-Semite, who wanted to destroy them. But you see how the favor of God works. God will cause others to favor you. Mephibosheth was favored by David and he ate at the king's table continually. Onesimus was favored by Paul, the one he got saved in the prison. And eventually he had to go back to his master Philemon, whom he stole from. And you remember how Paul sent him back and wrote that beautiful little letter of Philemon and how he said, and I want you to receive him but not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. That was the favor of Paul to this young man's life. And of course, he had sway with Philemon because he knew him well. He was a dear friend. And if you read the letter, Paul says, I, Paul, the aged. <laughs> you know, he's really laying on thick, you know. Uh, this is a big favor to me. I know that, but actually you owe me a big favor because... You know, we have, we have shared some stuff together, but I want you to see this young Mac, but not as a slave this time, but as a brother in Christ. That's the favor of God. John Mark was favored by Barnabas. In Acts 12 and 13, towards the end of 12, the beginning of 13, you'll see that there was a great prayer meeting in Antioch and how they prayed and they laid hands on certain ones and the Spirit spoke and says, separate me, Paul and Barnabas for the work whereunto I send them. And so they did. But they took young John Mark as a helper along. And he did well for a while, but then he got to a certain place where, for whatever reason, and we don't know for sure, but he decided, I don't want to do this anymore. And so at Pamphylia, he turned back and went back home. And Paul and Barnabas went on their business. But then later on, when they were, they were going to do a second missionary journey, uh, Paul says to Barnabas, let's go and visit all those brethren that we visited, and let's see how they're doing. And Barnabas says, great, wonderful, but let's take John Mark with us again. Paul says, no. No, no, I'm not having him. I, I don't want him. Uh, if we had been listening to that conversation, he may have said, you know, he failed us, he's useless, he's hopeless, he's no good to us, he's only going to hold us back. He, you know, he'll get out here and he'll turn back the way he did before. No, I don't want him. But Barnabas was adamant, no, let's take him. Give him another chance. Paul says, no. And the contention became so great between them, they split. And Silas went with Paul and Barnabas took John Mark to Cyprus. And if that was the end of the story, you'd say, well, too bad. Or you may say, well, at least there's two teams now instead of one. But John Mark was the author of that beautiful gospel, the second gospel, the gospel of Mark. It's a beautiful gospel. And if you read in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, you would see that many, many years later when Paul is imprisoned, he knows he's going to be executed. He says, once has left me here and different ones has gone about their business. 
So he says, Timothy, I want you to come and I want you to bring John Mark. He is useful to me for the ministry. What if Barnabas hadn't have favored John Mark? That breach maybe never would have been repaired. But Barnabas showed him favor. Even though he had, in a sense, even though he had messed up as far as Paul was concerned, he was just a failure. At one time, that's what he thought. But Barnabas says, no, I'll stick with him. I'll work with him. And I'll favor him. And because of that, we have that beautiful story in the scriptures. So God will cause others to favor you, for sure. And then number three, favor will take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. Favor will position you. Favor will transition you. Favor will align you to the purpose of God. All of us are on a journey, and God's favor will get you to where you need to be. Because sometimes we don't know how to get where we need to be. Isn't that so? We want the will of God. We want to be in the will of God. We want to follow the will of God. But what is the will of God? God's favor will take you to where you need to be. So you don't need to worry about it. Say, Lord, you favor me and you will lead and you will guide me and you'll get me to the position where I need to be for the kingdom of God. God's favor will take you to where you need to be. The people of Israel wanted a king like all the other nations around them. And against the wishes and the warnings of the prophet Samuel, who said, no, don't do this. This is not what God wants. They insisted. So God said, okay, I'll give you a king. And he gave them Saul. And boy, that was a big disaster for the people of Israel because he was not a good king. But God's heart was to give them David to be the king. But God had to put David on a journey from where he was to get him to where he needed him to be. And we first read of David whenever Samuel the prophet comes to the house of Jesse to find a king. He didn't know it was David at this point, but God knew. And so whenever Samuel came to the house of Jesse, Jesse had several sons, And he got the biggest one and the oldest one, the most natural one to come out before Samuel. And Samuel looked at him and said, surely the Lord's anointed before me. And God says, no, you're looking at the outside. I'm looking at the inside. I'm looking at the heart. It's not him. And then another one came. It's not him. And another one, it's not him. It's not him. It's not him. It's not him. And then they're all done. All of the sons came, and it was not any of them. Samuel says, have you any more sons left? He says, look, there's one. There's only one more. Look, there he is out in the fields looking after the sheep. Just a lad. Samuel says, bring him. And as he brought him, that was the Lord's anointed. That was the one that God favored above all of his brethren. Even though he was the youngest and he was the skinniest, but that was the one that God favored above all of the brethren. And God will favor us to get us where he needs us to be. He will favor us above even others. I remember when I came into ministry, and I'm going back many, many years, and I was a country boy in a city church. 
I didn't even speak the same way. In fact, some of them used to make fun of me. In a nice way, they weren't nasty, but just the way I talked, country. And they used to laugh at that. But when it came time to come into ministry, it's amazing how those things affect you. You feel inferior, you feel inadequate. I was looking around the church at so many people who were so much more experienced than me, who were saved so much longer, who were so much older. And I was looking at all them and said, Lord, why in the world did you choose me? And, and, and I was thinking out loud. I remember the night Sally and I, it was in the Ulster Hall in Belfast, and Hans was laid on us and we were put into the ministry. And I remember just before that, I was talking to a lady in the church. And I was kind of talking out loud, that's how I was feeling. And she says, I'm going to say something to you, David. She says, the difference between you and them, and the only difference is, you're available, they're not. You made yourself available, they didn't. Yes, they may be more experienced. Yes, they're older in the Lord. Yes, all of that. Yes, they may be more gifted. But you made yourself available, they didn't. And when she said that, that's all I had to go on. <laughs> I'm available. <laughs> yes, Lord, I'm available. And God took me from where I was to where he wanted me to be. And it's a journey. And all of you are on a journey for God to get you where he needs you to be. And God favored David above his brethren. He favored him above everybody in the battlefield. The woman sang, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has ten thousands. And he favored him. He was favored by Jonathan. Whenever Jonathan met him for the first time after the defeat of Goliath, the Bible says that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and he loved him as his own soul. And we talked about Jonathan and David just a few weeks ago and how he favored him and saved his life on a couple of occasions because of that favor. And then he was favored by all Israel. For several years, David was king over Judah. But God wanted him to be king over all Israel. And at long last, after many, many years, he's now 40 years old. And he's been taken from the sheepfold. And now he's 40 years old. And all Israel comes and anoints him king over all Israel. <laughs> God favored him above everyone. God will use people. He'll use circumstances. He'll use seemingly setbacks. He'll use different seasons in your life to get you where he wants you to be. But when you look back on it, and often it's only when you look back that you'll see the favor of God. You'll see the hand of God in your life every step of the way. He brings people into your life sometimes just for a short season to do something to, to direct you or, or to shape you or to whatever the case may be. And then they move out of your life. And that's fine. That's okay. It's just God maneuvering you into the place where he wants you to be. And so believe God, trust God, look for his favor because he's aligning you. He's transitioning you. He's positioning you. He's getting you to move in his will. You're not always conscious and aware of it, but believe that is true and say, God, you favor me and you'll get me to where I need to be. And then the favor of God will make you a blessing to others. God will get others to be a blessing to you, but God will make you, because of his favor, a blessing to others. It's often said that we're born 
not just to be blessed, but to be a blessing. And that is absolutely true, is it not? You're born to be a blessing. And your life, when it's favored by God, can be a tremendous blessing. You may never be on a platform. You may never sing in a praise group. You may never play an instrument. But you can be a blessing wherever you are, wherever you work, wherever you're at school or college or university or wherever stage of position you are. You can be a blessing just by the favor of God. You can touch the lives of others. Joseph, the imprisoned slave, became such a blessing to Pharaoh, he made him prime minister of all of Egypt. And it's a good job that he did because he saved all their begging, didn't he? He had that, explained that dream and set up that whole thing regarding the seven years famine. If it hadn't been for that, they'd all starved. But not only that, because of that, because of that favor that Pharaoh showed to him because God favored him and how that he became a blessing to the Egyptians, but then he became a blessing to his whole family and to the whole Hebrew race because of one man was such a blessing to others. Ruth, the Moabite, was such a blessing to Naomi, the Israelite. You know, whenever you know the story well, so I don't have to go through that story of, of, of Ruth and Naomi and how that because of famine, it, they went out to the land of Moab and when they got out there, forever long they were there, that she lost her husband, she lost her two sons, who had married these two Moabite women, and then she wanted to go back because now she'd heard there was food back in her own land. It's time to go home. But the trouble was, she had lost her husband, she lost her two sons. One of her daughters-in-law wouldn't go back with her, only one Ruth did. And when she went back, the people was glad to see her back. She says, is this not Naomi? They're so excited. And she says, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. She says, call me Mara, which means better. For she says, the Lord God Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. She says, I went out full and he has brought me back empty. She was angry at God. She was bitter at God. She was raging. That's how she came back. But God favored Ruth. And because of God's favor in Ruth, she ended up marrying one of Naomi's very wealthy relatives, Boaz. And because of that, Naomi's posterity was saved and she was blessed and prospered because of the favor of God that was on Ruth and how Ruth became such a blessing to Naomi. You see, when God favors you and blesses you, he wants you to be a blessing. And sometimes you're a blessing accidentally. You really are. Sometimes you say things and do things without thinking about it, and it blesses somebody. They may tell you or they may not tell you, but it's a blessing to them. And God has so many ways that he can help you to be a blessing. You can be the answer to somebody's problem. You supply to somebody's lack. You can be the hope to somebody's despair. You can be the company for somebody's loneliness. Huh. You can be the healing for somebody's hurt. God will put you in a spot, in a position, where you can be a blessing to somebody. And it's lovely when you are a blessing and you see that God has used you to be a blessing. Not, not to be boastful or big-headed about anything like that there, because it's only the grace of God. But it's lovely when that happens, that God gets you to cross somebody else's path for the only reason is they need to be blessed, and you're the one that's going to do it. And that's the goodness of God, isn't it? And then finally, 
The favor of God will last you a lifetime. Will last you a lifetime. Psalm 23, the greatest psalm in the Bible. The most read, the most quoted, the most sung, the most loved. And if you read that whole psalm, it's all about the favor of God, isn't it? Psalmist recognized it. But then I love what he says in verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely the favor of God, you could say, will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <laughs> Spurgeon called them God's two sheepdogs. <laughs> goodness and mercy following the sheep all the days of their life. As long as you live on this earth as a believer, however long that may be, goodness and mercy will follow you. <laughs> I think it was Spurgeon again who says, goodness, that takes care of my steps. Mercy, that takes care of my stumbles. <laughs> and it will follow you all the days of your life. Every single day, God will favor you. Isn't that good news tonight? Isn't that encouraging? When you get up in the morning and you get through this week, no matter what happens, good or ill, you say, God, your promise is you'll favor me all the days of my life. <laughs> and if I run into trouble, Lord, you help me through it. Or tomorrow may be the greatest blessing in your entire life. You'd never know what might happen to you tomorrow. God may have got a big blessing just in store just to favor you. <laughs> Sometimes he does that, doesn't he? It just comes right out of the blue. You know, all of my life, since I got saved, I wanted to go to Israel. And I looked at the prices and thought, that's a way beyond me. I, I couldn't spend that amount of money to go there. It's just too dear. And lo and behold, I got for nothing. What do you think that is? It's the favor of God. Do you deserve it? No, don't deserve it. That's the grace of God. Actually, the word favor and grace comes from the same root word, charis. Same root word. So it's the grace of God that he shows us any favor. We don't deserve anything from God, but he gives it to us anyway because he loves us. We love our children, don't we? You don't wait till they deserve everything. You love them, you give to them. Sometimes they're naughty, sometimes they mess up, sometimes they do your head in, but you don't stop loving them, sure you don't. And you bless them and you give to them. Why? Because you favor them. They're your kids. You favor them. And we are God's kids and he favors us and he loves us and he wants to bless us. So this incoming week, what is in store this week? What blessing has God... Sally told me about a blessing today. I'll tell you what it is. But somebody else, somebody else she was talking to today says, I want to bless David with something. Just come right out of the blue. Had no idea in the world. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? You say that's because you're the preacher. No, it's not. Absolutely not. It's for every one of us, all of us. And some point along this journey, if you look carefully, you'll say, often it's when you look back, you'll say, that was God's favor. That was God's blessing in me. I got that job or whatever the case may be. That interview went well or whatever, or, or that happened to me or that blessing came my way. And, and, and then you can look back and count your blessings and say, God, I thank you that you favor me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? Stand with me, please. We'll pray. Lord, these are your children tonight. Each and every one of them are your children. And you love them and you want to bless them. So, Lord, thank you for your favor tonight. Thank you for it in our lives 
on a daily basis. And the greatest favor you ever showed was saving our eternal souls. Lord, we did not deserve any of that, but in your mercy and grace, you came and you saved us. And Lord, you've been blessing us ever since. Lord, we thank you for so many times, Lord, when you did things that we'd never even imagined. And we give you thanks for that tonight. So Lord, as we part tonight, Lord, as we go into another working week, Lord, only you knows what will happen. But Lord, you have planned some things for our days ahead. Those handfuls of purpose, Lord, are in the book of Ruth. You planned them for us in the days ahead. And Lord, I just pray that your favor, Lord, it will meet with your favor. And Lord, it will be blessed because of it. And then will be a blessing because of it. Lord, help us, Lord, to reach out to others, to minister and bless others with the blessing that you have blessed us with. That's what you want us to do. And we thank you for it. And thank you for the great testimony we heard this morning through Richard. Thank you for his ministry, for his life, and for the many young people that he's touching through that. Lord, help us to touch others with the grace of God also. So bless us, Lord, as we part tonight with your grace and favor upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.